and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. This week's interview is such a treasure. It does not involve dog grooming or dog groomers' mental health, but it is one of those conversations that just brings a smile to your face. And I know that we all need that from time to time. I'm speaking with the lovely Janet Tandy. Janet runs a class in Kent for mainly young people that struggle tremendously with sinophobia. If you're unsure what that is, then fear not, it will soon become very clear. So let's crack straight on with the interview and I hope it raises your spirits. Makes you remember that there is so much good out there in the world and I hope that it brings a smile to your face too. So let's go. Hi Janet, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you and thank you for having me. Oh, it's lovely to have you here. So you're here to talk to us about the Kent Sinophobia Assistance Group. So could you start by just explaining what Sinophobia actually is? Yes, certainly. Um, Sinophobia is, is two Greek words. Um, Sino is Greek for dog. Phobia is Greek for fear. So literally, it's the fear of dogs. Brilliant. Okay. So could you tell us a little bit about the aims of the group that you run what well basically the aims are to try but we work mainly with children although we do have adults and have had adults uh but it's it's mainly children we get and it's the the children who are so frightened of dogs that they don't want to go to school they they don't want to go to the beach they don't want to go on holiday um and our aim is to try and turn that around we're not interested in the fact they're all going to rush out and buy a dog our yeah. aim is so that they can actually go to school and not have this awful fear as they turn the corner that, that there's a dog going to be there. Yeah, so we're talking about fears that really sort of cap the way that people live their lives, really. People are scared to go to the park sort of thing and mm-hmm. just normal everyday activities for children, really. It's sort of, it must be quite quite a hard thing for these young people to live with really mustn't it it's devastating and it's not just the children that are affected it's the family it's the siblings because they don't get to go to the park and and it's the parents as well because they just they're living with this child who is petrified to go out of the door it, it, it affects as well the fact that they may have nanny and grandpa's have a dog they don't go to see them they're perhaps their sisters and brothers they don't go to visit them because they've got a dog um it's really it's really life-changing for them and so what made you decide to sort of start the group 
<laughs> I didn't decide to start the group. I was coerced into it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure some of your listeners will know the name of Roy Dyer. He's, okay. He runs the, yeah, the, the Kent, um, uh, not the Kent, the, the Essex uh, display team, and he's got a, a huge training centre there. Um, and he, I've known him for many, many, many years. Um, and it, I also knew he'd been helping a child about 30 years ago, this is, uh, to overcome. The mother had contacted him and said, you know, they'd got a child who was terrified of dogs, and he, he did all sorts of things. And eventually his group um, evolved. Uh, and then in 2014, he rang me and he said, um, uh, would you like to come over and assess some of the dogs that we use for the Sinophobia group? And I was really quite chuffed. I thought, oh, he's... He'd asking me to go and assess the dogs, you know. Brilliant. Yeah, I felt really chuffed with that. So little did I know that it, it actually was a bit of a ploy that he wanted me to start a group up in <laughs> um, So as I went over there, very, very chuffed uh, and helped to assess the dogs. And then, of course, he said, look, we're, we're getting so many calls from Kent, like this side of the, the M25, yeah. um, to start a group up. So that's, you know, it was, it, it was a little bit of my arm was twisted okay. up like that to do it. So that's Aww. how it's... He, he obviously, his ploy obviously worked then. Because... <laughs> it did, it did. We've helped hundreds of children since 2015, hundreds. So you're getting on for sort of 10 years of doing the group now then. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, yes, yes. We've been going quite, quite some time. Uh, we had to obviously stop during covid but we started up the minute we could again the minute we were allowed to we started up again so. okay so when you was talking about you and roy sort of like helping finding the dogs and things what sort of thing do you sort of look in for a dog is, is there certain breeds is it do they have to be dogs that are trained for this sort of help or like how do you find the dogs well, basically, he knew I run dog training classes. So that day I came back to my top class, which, uh, you know, the, the top class of, of my training, little training school that I that I run, uh, they were sort of very well trained. And I came back and said, look, how about it? So we've got a mixture of dogs. Um, so they were they were fairly well, you know, would do a wait and a stay and, and they would sit and they would go down and they would, you know, they were well behaved. That didn't necessarily mean there would be any good to um, be with children. So we had to do some training ourselves with children you know, and and then took them over for their own, for testing over at Roy's. Um, but no, breed breed doesn't matter. Breeds. I mean, we, we originally the days we, we we had a Dalmatian, we had a, a West Highland Terrier, we had a Border Collie, we had a real mixture, and we still do today. We've got fourteen dogs in our on our books, and they're they're very much um, all different. Well, all, all sorts. I've just got a, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier that's hoping to join us. So brilliant. Yeah, so. Great. Really sort of all different shapes and sizes, which I suppose probably really helps with with the children as well, because, of course, if you I suppose if you always use little dogs, they're inevitably going to come across a big dog at some point. So. So, yeah, I suppose that does really help having a nice mixture. And I suppose on the flip side, how how do you pick the young people that you work with? Because I know that there's only is, am I right in thinking there's only two two groups in the UK that that are there's running? Three. No, there's three. There's one three. on the border. Sussex and Surrey but in in as far as we know to this day in the whole country there's only three groups like ours wow. uh, and if you think that I don't advertise no. um, I, 
advertised because the odd occasion is that somebody's sort of done a, an article in the local paper. I've been inundated with with children and had a, a waiting list of up to, to 30. At the moment, I've only got about seven or eight on my list. But you can imagine, and that this is, you know, it, it's heartrending really because if you think further up north, how many children are suffering yeah. with it? How many children could be helped? But there are no there are no groups to do Blimey. it and so do you just work your way through the waiting list then or is there certain things that you look for in the children that you can work with or no I work I, I work through the list however if I've got a child that is due to go to secondary school mm -hmm. uh, then I may well push them up the front because you know it, it's it's okay for children to go to junior school mum and dad or or somebody takes them and they're nice and safe cocooned in the car yeah. however once they get to secondary school they're, they're on their own yeah so that makes I, sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, funny enough i've got a um somebody's now who's being recommended by um support services for the police so i'm going to try and you know see what i can do there yeah so as a rule of thumb it's through the list uh we don't take any for any any under fives anymore purely because they they you know they, they won't sort of do as they're told sort of thing and they're running all over the place so yeah we tend to get to school they've got a little bit of control a bit more focus yes yeah yeah and so with the um the young people that you have and their fear of dogs where do you more commonly see this stem from is it things that they've encountered with dogs in their life mainly or does it tend to follow on from parents fears or what where do you see these fears coming coming from i would say most of them it is fear from parents either parents have the fear or perhaps parents just don't like dogs and inadvertently will put that feeling into the child and that mm -hmm. from not liking dogs becomes more of a fear of dogs right uh, okay not Necessarily, we've had children where the mums have said, we love dogs, we want a dog, but we just can't because the child's absolutely petrified. Yeah, um, sure. Gary Film, big friendly Labrador peering into a pram at the age of a year old child. <laughs> yeah. It could, <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, I think actually Labradors, I know they're known to be really friendly, happy, fun dogs, but when they are running across the field at you on the park and the owner's got no control of them and I'm screaming, stay away from my dogs, they're, they're, they're scared of other dogs and they're going, oh no, they're all right, they're all right. I think they're probably one of the more common breeds that people sort of let bound about because they are known to be big and friendly and, and that, but they're that is quite intimidating to such a small, you know, whether it be a dog or whether it be a child or something like that. If you're not used to dogs, that is quite intimidating. So I can totally see where that that comes from, it's, especially if you're not used to being around dogs. I mean, I actually remember when I had my first dog as a, a child, I was probably, I would say probably about 10. My parents bought a Cocker Spaniel. And um, this dog was like eight weeks old. I mean, it was the tiniest little dot, but I'd never never really had a dog before I didn't know how to react around dogs too much and I remember the day after they bought it they said oh go down and let little we used to call it Rafferty after the saxophone player so it would be oh go and get Raff out let him out you know and I went downstairs and he was obviously nervous in a new home and he was like in his little bed and he just growled at me and I remember bursting into tears and running upstairs <laughs> saying oh, oh. Me. I'm scared I'm scared but I suppose that the fear of the unknown, it's, it's, I suppose, when most of the listeners listening in are going to be dog groomers, so they're used to being around dogs all the time, but 
it's easy to forget what it's like when you're not around something all the time, isn't it? That's right. And I, I always say to people, you know, who sometimes don't understand and they'll say, it's all right, he's friendly, he's not going to hurt you. Um, that doesn't mean anything to a child that is petrified. But I have no fear of spiders, but I really don't like them. And I yeah. always say to people, if there was three or four big, hairy spiders the size of Labradors in a park, you wouldn't get me in that park. <laughs> oh, no, me neither. <laughs> Whereas a big, big lullaby rock bar, like, I'm happy to go in the park, you know, so <laughs> yes, this is a comparison. <laughs> no, I can totally see that. And so do you um, have the parents tend to come into the classes as well then? Is that something that helps or does it sometimes hold the children back if the parents are scared or? Yeah, no, no. If the parents are scared, be surprised how actually we can get them on the floor as well. Uh, really? We've had one child just recently and um well, funny enough last night and the the little girl for the first time ever uh, uh she's been coming about five weeks but she actually walked the dog around on her own um on the lead, and her mum is absolutely thrilled to bits but her mum's and, and we said well and i'd said to her you walk around there and you get a certificate because we have certificates to a special achievement certificates yeah Little girl walked uh, the the dog round, and uh, and the mother said, "I've never done that." So I called over one of our really laid back retrievers, mm-hmm. and I handed leads, and I said, "Go on, and I'll give you a certificate." And it was hilarious last night because both mum and the little girl both received the certificate. So we we often involve the parents as well if they are that worried. Yeah. So but that's really good because then the child can see actually that they've had an influence on the parent as well, yeah. which is really big because I mean something like um something like a child overcoming a fear is big enough in itself. But if the fear is stemmed from the parent and then the parent has also got up and done it as well, I mean, you must have felt amazing watching that last night. We feel amazing every Monday night, all of us. Yeah, yeah. But going back as well, how we do it, the, the, we have the hall. Um, we have a rule when the new children come in that we ask the parents that they're not allowed to tell the child what to do. And we are not allowed to tell the child what to do. The child has to make its own decision to do everything. And if he doesn't want to do it, that mm-hmm. we just say that's tough. You know, you know, we're not going to encourage at all because that way you put the barriers down. So okay. we have area where the parents sit with the children and we say just sit down have a cup of tea don't say anything let the child watch and this is when the children come out and it's 90 percent of the children will come out on that first night even though they have been absolutely petrified because what they're seeing is 18 to 20 children all screaming and laughing and working with dogs mm. So they come out of themselves because they see it's not us that do it it's not the dogs that do it it's the children showing there's no fear uh we have an area where we call it the dog free zone so that's where the bears are um all the children come in and play there's no dogs in the hall they've got balls to play with they've got hoops to play with they charge around we'll interact with them and then we say right okay all line up so they all line up we have a, a a race to the cones where they all get sweets underneath the cones then they all go back and then they all line up again and then and these are the children now who are you know pretty you know well friendly with the dogs at the moment they mm-hmm. all line up they get a nice pretty lead to choose uh, a color and then we say right now 
the dogs are going to start to come in. And that's when we will go and tell a new child the dogs are going to come in. But the child is so far away from them because they're coming down the other end of the hall. Mm-hmm. And we then they have to guess which dog's coming in. And we have seven dogs every week um, and they have to guess which one. And so the dogs come in very slowly, very under control. Uh, and that's when the children start to creep out. And it is 90% of the time we get that child out during the evening. Wow. How long do the classes last of the, of a Monday night? We're only there for an hour. Yeah. Um, in the summer, we can get the dogs walking around outside on the grass, which is a little bit more like they would see dogs in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, in the winter, we're stuck indoors, so we do lots of games. Um, oh, yeah. Sort of a, a walking race. We don't do a racing game, but we do a walking race game. Um, we get the children to do recalls. Um Things that they even they we even have one game where we we ask the children if they want to lay down, have the dogs walk over them, and oh, once the get confident, believe me, they do. And if they don't, <laughs> then we go get your mum or dad. Yeah. So it, it's it's all fun the whole evening, and they get sweets for doing things and certificates for doing things and trophies. And... I love that. So you've got I I love how you've because it's how you've explained it is different to sort of how I pictured it. I sort of pictured a set amount of kids coming in right at the beginning, and then they gradually through the weeks up mm-hmm. they have the connections with the dog. But actually, from having um, children that were scared that have now got to the point where they're connecting with the dogs, and then you, at the same time introducing new children in is all at the sort of same time is really it's really nice to see because and hear about because I suppose that the children that probably were scared can understand the new children but then the new children can understand that the people who who are there and have been there for a while um they can see that it's achievable they can see that it's achievable and like you say you're giving them certificates and you're giving them sweets and you're making it like a fun sort of play evening as well so everything is really centered around like upping that child's self-esteem making them feel good making them feel confident in the area it sounds absolutely amazing i think it's a brilliant idea well if ever you want to come and have a look on a monday night come on down come and come and have a yeah i would love to i think that sounds absolutely like it's such a good idea but yeah and is is there any success stories that really sort of stick in your mind is there any that you think oh that just made me so happy seeing that child do what they did well we've had several children I would say probably about four or five who've gone on to have their own dogs and come to dog training classes wow (laughs) so they've been and one was a German Shepherd you think crikey you know German Shepherd (laughs) and and she was a lovely handler too so yes we've had that um we've had philippa who who her nan and granddad were um judges on the obedience circuit and and uh, philippa would never go and see her nan or go into the house and and we eventually turned philippa around and she has her own dog now and getting another puppy wow so i would say every monday night we have successes yeah we, you know, we just do to, to see every success is a child that's coming shaking crying so fearful to sit at the back of the hall to creep out and then we say well would you like it would you like a brush do you want to just try and brush because that puts the a bit of a gap between the the hand and and you know the dog so mm-hmm. they'll come out 
brush the rear end of the dog very you know and the next thing we know they're walking around all the breeds oh that sounds absolutely fabulous it's and like you say things like german shepherds and big dogs like that that's a big step to not be able to go anywhere near a dog to owning and training your own german yeah. shepherd absolutely absolutely Yes, um, but they are big soft. They are big soppy dogs, really, aren't they? I know they get a yeah. bit of a bad rap, but they are very loyal and very sweet with the the young people and the families, aren't they? Mm, yes, they're beautiful. I mean, my uh, I've never had a Rottweiler there, and I'm, I'm I'm desperate for a Rottweiler because again, the Rottweiler, you know, they they don't have such good names, um, mm -hmm. and they great big teddy bears. You, yeah, you know, love to have a Rottweiler on our books, but at the moment, I don't know of any that that would. One of the real criteria is that they mustn't bark and they mustn't paw. So, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few things that we have to, you know, insist on, i.e. Yeah. Not, not barking, obviously not growling, not that any of our dogs growl. Because, again, we have no room for error either because, no. you know, if it goes wrong, we, we lose the weeks we've put in. Mm -hmm, sure, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, well, I, that, I find it all so interesting. How many people do you have work with you? Is that is it just yourself? No, no, we've we've got well, we've got uh, three of us. One, two, three. There's four of us on the floor, um, plus Paula. She's in her forties and um, was tearful. Sat at the back of the room, was tearful. But she's like, I've got to overcome this fear. Um, you know, this is ridiculous. I can't go to a pub or anything. So uh, anyway, come long story short, she's now one of our helpers. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Wow. And has goes to a pub and has gone to her friends who's, you know, got dogs and she can't even believe herself how good she is. So there's five of us on the floor. We've got a couple of people making teas and coffees. And mm -hmm. then we have week about seven dogs uh, and seven handlers. But we have a rotor. So I've got 14 dogs at the moment on, on the books. And we've yeah. so we've got one week and seven another week. So they actually get the dog handlers get a break because we're all volunteers and what an amazing job everyone does for volunteering mm -hmm. as well i mean it's it all just keeps sounding better and better and how, so if you've got all of them helpers and handlers and things and how how many children do you tend to have on an evening we have usually oh, term time you've you've got all the the, the sicky bugs at school but uh, uh, as a rule of thumb we tend to have 18, 19, 20, 21. So mm -hmm. about that, that that amount every week. Um, yes. I mean, it's quite lively. It's quite lively. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, but it sounds ever so fun. It sounds like a really good night. So, oh, well, thank you so much for talking to us about it. That's, it's so interesting that there's that, that, out, that help out there for people. And um, obviously you'd want to probably encourage more groups like yourselves to be setting up across the country because it just sounds like you're doing such an amazing job and I can't believe that there aren't more of these groups all over the place helping people because there's a lot more people scared of dogs than I think people actually realize aren't there out there um yes yes it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done I must admit and and I think all the girls feel the same they've been with yeah. me Marion Suzanne and I we we were three of us started it up in it was 2014 that we actually went and saw Roy over in in Essex and they've been with me ever since so we've you know we don't lose people unless uh, you know the and I've got some um, I've got funny enough I've got two two people with their dogs um one's Westley and another one's Labrador and this is their second dogs so wow you know, they've you know their dogs have got old and can't do it and they've they've trained up their their youngsters to to come in so they, they've been with me from the start as well 
That's brilliant. As you say, you've got sort of like seven or eight sort of on the waiting list at the moment. How do people get in touch with you if it's something that they think that their child would benefit from or someone they know might benefit from? Well, if you put the word sinophobia in, you know, we do come up, we've got our own website and it's word of mouth a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, we, as I said, we just don't advertise too much. Um, no, it's hard, hard because you, it's nice to have the kids filtering through, but it's, you don't mm. at the same time want to be sort of unindated with people either, I suppose. And do you still do your training classes? Because I know you said you, find, you found a couple of your dogs at the training classes. Yeah. Is that something you still do? Yes, I still run run dog training classes. We run uh, puppies, and we go right up to top class. And very often, there's the ones that I can I can see are coming along really nicely. They're laid back dogs, but you know, with a bit of sparkle, and you know, and and I can actually then filter them in if they'll if they'll do it on a Monday. So yes, I've got one. Funnily enough, who's coming? We get them sitting on the stage to start with, check whether the dogs because we love our dogs as well. So we don't mm -hmm. want to put into a situation where they get worried so yeah. we're always you know when, when we've got a new dog we're watching the dog as much as anything to check that the dog is quite happy to be um to, to have three or four leads on it mm -hmm. that's what happens you know the, the dogs end up looking like a bit like a maypole you know yeah. <laughs> so you know <laughs> need to know that the dogs are of, of, of not a sound temperament obviously but also are quite happy to do it yeah yeah, I know some dogs, my, I mean, my dogs aren't used to being around children because I haven't got any children. So mm. <laughs> you've got definitely got to have them laid back and in all, all those sorts of situations. But no, I, I think that you've given us so much information and it's just one of those one of those conversations with someone that just makes me smile so much. I literally haven't stopped smiling since we've been talking because it just sounds like such a lovely idea. It sounds like you're making such a difference. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us about it, really. Um, oh, yeah. Is there is there anything that you think that I've missed? No, but as I said, it's an open invitation. Come down and have a look, you know, come yeah, and... Yeah, I'd love to. I would love to do that. It sounds like such an amazing class to be a part of. I'd be really interested to. So, no, that's lovely. Thank you so much. And, um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on to speak with us today and telling us about it. You're welcome. You're very welcome. What an amazing group. I was smiling the whole way through interviewing Janet and every time I listened back when editing, it gave me the same warm feeling. So well done Janet and all of her volunteers. I feel like on telly, over social media and in the news, there is so much negativity that we have to absorb. I wish at the end of every news programme they featured a happy story like this to finish with, just to help us raise the mood again. Next week, I'm speaking to Kelly from You Can Too Therapy. We will be talking about trauma, what it is and how it affects us throughout our lives. Kelly uses various methods in her therapy, but we will specifically be talking about her favourite type of therapy, compassionate inquiry. She was trained in compassionate inquiry by the amazing Gabor Mate. If, like me, you listen to a lot of podcasts based around mental health, you may have heard of him before. He is a big deal and he was the person who created compassionate inquiry. So I can't wait for you to hear her interview, as she is so passionate and enthusiastic about helping the people that she works with. But for now, have an amazing weekend, and thank you for listening. Cheerio!